You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Vegas 27 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Vegas 27 features a 13-fight card in total and will be aired exclusively on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a lightweight contest between Demir Ismagulov, who is 22-1, and Rafael Alves, who is 19-9. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? couple quick shout-outs, as always, before we get rolling here. The opening betting odds that I will be quoting on this podcast are from MMAOddsBreaker.com, our opening betting odds article for UFC Vegas 27 done by Adam Martin, so make sure you check out that article. They are market opening prices, and the updated odds that I will be referring to are from Circa Sports, um, Nevada, Colorado. That's where Circa Sports right now is located, so make sure you download the app at circasports.com, and you can check out the odds from anywhere. But again, if you're in Nevada and Colorado, that's the place to bet on MMA and the UFC, of course, and all sports in general, so check out circasports.com. So getting right into the fights. Is Magulov open minus 500 to come back in Alves at plus 375? And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Is Magulov at minus 540 to come back in Alves at plus 425. Man, a tough one. Not a lot of action straight bet-wise coming in on this fight because the line is set so high. And you got to respect Alves on the other side as an underdog. I mean, he's got a lot of knockout power. He's got finishing ability. He's got a good ground game, submission ability, sick guillotine choke. So there's a lot to like about him at such a high dog price. But Ismagulov is just a tough stylistic matchup for most fighters, obviously, at 155 pounds. This guy's a very underrated dark horse kind of in the division right now. He's such a well-rounded technical fighter in all aspects of the game. I think he's going to have the advantage pretty much everywhere the fight takes place here. He's going to be the better striker. I think he's going to be more technical, being able to outpoint Alves on the feet. I think he's the better wrestler here in this spot as well. So I think he can dictate and control where this fight takes place. That's why you're seeing the high chalk. And unfortunately for Alves, I mean, this weight class now, 155 pounds, might not be the best one for him, but he had those weight cutting issues that were public. So it is what it is. And he's fighting against a very tough opponent right now. And it's Magulov. I think it's it's going to be a pretty interesting competitive fight for a certain amount of time. But I think his is eventually going to pull away and it's going to be clear that he's the better fighter here. So I'm picking his Magulov, but obviously at the betting window, you got to stay away from it. There's not real value either way here. So just watch and enjoy. I'm going to go with uh, Ismagulov as well. I mean, this guy is really talented. He's 3-0 and in the UFC, was a former M1 lightweight champion and defended it successfully before coming to the UFC. Uh, the only real thing that's holding me back here from being certain that he's going to win is the fact that Ismagulov hasn't fought in almost two years. Um, Alves, while, you know, he was... Uh, you know, interim Titan FC lightweight champ. He didn't obviously impress the UFC by missing weight by 11 pounds and getting ganked from his last fight. So uh, the guy clearly had some issues there. Uh, but in this fight, 
The main issue is that he's just not as good of a striker as Ismagulov. Uh, I think Ismagulov just outpoints him, pieces him up a little bit over the course of three rounds. Now, I'm not convinced that Ismagulov will be able to finish him. Um, and Ismagulov should be the better wrestler if, for some reason, Alves finds some success on the feet. So uh, I just don't see a lot of paths to victory here for Alves, barring him landing a big shot and clipping Ismagulov and finishing him. Uh, I do not see Alves winning by decision. I think he has to win by knockout or maybe somehow catching Ismagulov in a sub if he leaves his neck exposed or something. But uh, more often than not, I just see Ismagulov, you know, just outworking Alves on the feet and on the ground with takedowns and winning a decision. Now, sticking with the lightweight division, we have Yancey Medeiros, who is 15-7, and seven, taking on Demir Hadzovic, who is 13-6. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Medeiros open minus 125, Hadzovic at plus 05, and right now over at Circus Sports, it's currently Medeiros coming in. As the underdog, so Hazovich is now favored minus 135, Medeiros at plus 115, so the line did flip. Hazovich is getting more action overall from the public and Sharps, flipping the line. I'll tell you what, I mean, I respect Hazovich as well. I think that's probably the right side here, but it's going to be a very difficult fight because I think Medeiros is one of those guys that you can't underestimate. I mean, throughout his career, at lightweight, welterweight, whatever the case may be, the guy's a gamer, man. I mean, he definitely has some skill on the feet. He's got knockout power. He's got finishing ability. He's faced a lot of solid competition, and he's got some good wins on his resume if you look really through it. But I know he's coming off three straight losses. He needs to get on track here, um, and I think he's going to be, from what I'm hearing, in decent shape, and he's going to be focused and prepared to come in here and perform well. Hazovich on the other side of things, I mean, he was on a, a mini roll, a couple fights uh, win streak, and then now he's on a couple fight losing streak as well, so he needs to get back on track. I mean, the Moicano fight was just kind of embarrassing for him, the way that kind of ended. So, I think this is going to be an all-out war. Both these guys like to stand and bang. Both these guys like to take the fight to the floor, but at the same time, their takedown defense and their uh, defensive wrestling, so to speak, is good enough that this probably stays on the feet, and they strike it out here. So, with that said, I kind of have a lack of of confidence in both of these guys defensively. I just think Hazovich is probably a little bit more defensively sound in this spot, and I'm going to slightly lean his way as far as a pick goes. But I think there's going to be fireworks in this fight, and both these guys have a shot at the knockout for sure. Uh, I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Hazovich because I think at this point of his career, he's just a little bit better. I don't like the fact that Medeiros gets hurt in almost every fight. I mean, he's a warrior. He recovers and ends up doing fairly well, but that being said, I just, I don't know, I guess I trust Hazovich just slightly more here. But that's how difficult it is even to bet this fight. So to, the, to those of you that are, good luck. Yeah, and I'm going to come in on Medeiros. Um, you know, both of these fighters are pretty flawed um, and both have had their struggles as of late. Uh, Medeiros is on a, a three-fight losing streak. Um, before that, he was actually, you know, doing pretty well. He had wins over Sean Spencer, Eric Silva, Alex Oliveira. Uh, all by finish. Um, and this most recent run, I'm not going to get on him too bad for the losses because uh, the one was to Donald Cerrone at, in 2018 when Cerrone wasn't quite, uh, you know, as far gone as he is now. Uh, the G Gillespie loss again, you know, not the worst thing in the world. Gillespie is a top 15 lightweight and uh, Lando Veneta, you know, took him to decision. Um, but, 
And then you've got uh, Hedzovic, who is also on a losing streak uh, with two straight losses. And again, quality opponents. You know, Giagos is pretty underrated at lightweight. And uh, Moicano was uh, a top featherweight before moving up. So, uh, again, you can't really get on either guy for their losses. They're, they've lost to some pretty decent competition. Um, that being said, I feel like Medeiros has been in there against better fighters. And I feel like Medeiros is uh, a little bit more well-rounded. Hadovich is a bit of a bruiser. Uh, he is powerful. And Medeiros does have a tendency to get clipped consistently in fights. He usually does recover. But uh, the fact that you know his defense is not particularly great uh, does scare me. Because uh, if Hadovich hits, hits him with something nasty and is able to follow up, he absolutely 100% could take him out. Uh, that being said, though, you know, Hadzovic is not the most technical striker, so um, he's going to be winging in some big, heavy blows. And Medeiros, even though his defense isn't great, I think that he should be able to uh, defend most of them. And if he gets in a firefight with Hadzovic, I think Medeiros can hold his own. And if this goes to the ground, Medeiros should have a pretty good ground advantage as well. So... I view Medeiros as the more well-rounded fighter. I feel like he's faced better competition so far throughout his uh, UFC career. And I think Medeiros walks away with uh, the victory in this one as well. So I'm going to be nervous the whole time thinking Hadzovic could clip him and take him out. But uh, I can see Medeiros outpointing him. I could see Medeiros knocking him out. I could see Medeiros submitting him. Whereas I only could see Hadzovic winning by knockout. So... I think uh, just there's a better chance that Medeiros gets this one. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Joshua Kulabau, who is 8-1-1, taking on Sha Yilan, who is 19-6. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Kulabau, minus 225, Sha Yilan. Plus 190, that was the opening price. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we're currently seeing Kulabau, minus 240, Shah Ilan at plus 205. So again, another spot where line margins have tightened up a little bit. There's two action coming in this fight, so to speak. More parlays are going to come in Kulabau's way. I understand it. I mean, Shah Ilan is, is actually a pretty solid fighter. He's got a wrestling base. I mean, he's got some power. He's got some heavy hands. He's pretty patient on the feet and he kind of explodes into his techniques and he has the ability to, you know, spark you, catch you and put you out for sure. He's got good ground to pound. So he's going to look to patiently strike. And then when the opportunity presents itself, get this fight to the floor. Kulab on the other hand, I think it's just a little bit above him right now in their careers, meaning a level above. I think he's faced better competition throughout. I think he's is the better overall striker. I think he's a little bit more technically technically sound. I think his takedown defense is probably good enough to keep this fight upright and do damage along the way and probably outpoint and maybe even finish Shailan on the feet here. So this is just a listly probably difficult matchup for Shailan, but if he get his wrestling going, if he can start grinding Kulabau out, he's got a path to victory here. So, and I'm expecting him to kind of step in here and perform better than what we've seen on on tape. And I know he's got some confidence coming into uh, to this fight right now and getting his opportunity. I mean, there's a lot to like about him. I mean, these guys are both fairly young. I mean, they're mid twenties if I'm not mistaken. So, 
Um, both of them, I think, have a long way to go in, in progression on the positive side of their career, careers. Are, is going to happen for sure. They're going to continue to improve. So I expect them to both look better um, than what we've seen as of late. But still, I think Kulabao is a level ahead of um, Xiao Yilong at this point, And I think it's going to probably show and he's going to get the W here. So my pick is Kulabao. And I'm going to go with Kulabao as well. Um, while he has not been able to find a victory in the octagon so far, he has had a, a couple good performances. I mean, the first one clearly wasn't great against Jalen Turner, but most recently, you know, he fought to a draw against a tough opponent in Charles Jourdain. So I'm going to give him a little bit of credit there. Uh, you know, Sha, Sha Yulan, on the other hand, while he did go 5-1 and one in 2020, you have to take into consideration the strength of competition, and it is just not there. I mean... The, the last guy he fought before coming to the UFC had a losing record. So I just don't have a lot of faith in this guy's strength of competition. And um, Kulabau is probably going to be the, the best fighter he's faced. Now, there is a, a path to victory here for uh, Shai Yilan. He is a pretty good wrestler. So if he can take Kulabau down and keep him down or just take him down and keep taking him down and wearing him out, he can win, but uh, Shai Yilan is not a good striker at all, and if Kulabau can stuff takedowns and force Shai Yilan to stand with him, it's not going to end well for him, for Shah. So, I'm going to go with uh, Kulabau. I think that he finally does get that first UFC victory, but if uh, Shai Yilan can get those takedowns and keep him, you know, off his feet then this becomes a whole nother ball game. But uh, I'm going to go with Kulabau uh, probably by either outpointing Elon for a decision or maybe even scoring a TKO along the way. Now, dropping all the way down to the flyweight division, we have Victor Rodriguez, who is 7-3, taking on Bruno Silva, who is 11-5-2. Now, Nick... What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Silva opens up Bruno Silva, that is, opens up minus 300. The comeback on Victor Rodriguez at plus 250. And right now at Circus Sports, Bruno Silva minus 330. Victor Rodriguez at plus 275. Man, Bruno Silva seems to be the popular play, the popular pick for a finish. I mean, as, as far as social media goes and everybody's kind of trendy pick for this week's card, it seems. And I understand. I mean, the guy is definitely underrated. He's a finisher. He's got that kind of warrior instinct, meaning that if he comes to fight. He looks for exciting performances. I mean, he just never fails. When he's in there, win or lose, it, it's a pretty fun fight because it goes back and forth usually. This guy has some decent wrestling. He's got some power on the feet. He's got that killer instinct, like I said. So he's fun to watch for sure. I think he is going to win this fight over Victor Rodriguez, so I think everybody's probably going to be right here. I mean, where the price is at, though, I'm going to stay away. I think Victor Rodriguez is probably a little bit better than most are giving him credit for. He's got power on the feet as well. He's got some wrestling ability. I just think he's just outclassed here. Bruno Silva's kind of a level above him. So I, I do expect Silva to kind of hurt Rodriguez along the way and get him out of there before it hits the scorecard. So like I said, I think everybody's on the right track by picking Silva here. But again, it's, it's crazy. We know this sport. I mean, quickly changes with one strike at times. And Rodriguez definitely has a, the power to change the complexion of this fight. And we know Silva has 
been rocked and hurt in fights. I mean, like I said, he's a warrior. He, he fights through it. And, I mean, he's put on some just really awesome performances. So this is going to be a fun fight. Um, I don't expect it to hit the scorecards, and I expect Silva to probably finish. So my pick is Silva. I'm just going to, again, stay away from it from a betting perspective um, and watch it. And I think it's going to be a pretty fun fight. But it seems like everybody's on the right track here with Bruno Silva. Yeah, uh, Bruno Silva had a pretty tough go of it in uh, to kick off his UFC career. And I think it caused me to you know, kind of downplay how good he actually was um, after uh, a few tough fights in a row against uh, Taha, Dvorak, and then Ulanbekov, you know, just prospect after prospect after prospect. Um, he was a pretty big underdog heading into that fight against J.P. Byes, and, I mean, he was significantly better than Byes. I mean, that fight really wasn't even close, and then he ended up getting uh, the second-round finish. I think he kind of showed what he's capable of. I mean, you know, this is a guy that before he was in the UFC, you know, he had a draw with Casey Kenny uh, in LFA. I mean, so he is more than capable of holding his own against guys. Uh, and Rodriguez, on the other hand, um, that UFC debut did not go well for him. Granted, it was up a weight class on short notice against Yanez, who is a beast. So both of these guys have had uh, been thrown in there into the wolves uh, against good prospects. But uh, Giannis just obliterated Rodriguez in that fight. Um, but Rodriguez is now dropping down to flyweight where he belongs. And I think he'll do better there. But I think Bruno Silva, honestly, even though Silva is stepping in on a little bit of short notice, because I think Rodriguez was originally supposed to be facing uh, Dennis Bonder, um, even though, uh, Silva stepping in on relatively short notice, this is not that much more of a difficult fight than the buys fight. If it is at all, um, you know, Rodriguez does have some power, so Silva has to be a little bit cautious, but Silva should be the better striker here. I think he's just going to be more well-rounded and I think, uh, he doesn't just win. He probably picks up a finish along the way. So uh, I think uh, Silva moves that winning streak to two and uh, keeps the good times rolling, even though he's stepping in on short notice. So Silva is my pick. Now moving up to the welterweight division, we have Claudio Silva, who is 14 and two, taking on Court McGee, who is 19 and 10. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Claudio Silva opened minus 150. The Come back on Court McGee at plus 130. And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Court McGee minus 120, Claudio Silva even money. More betters coming in on Court McGee, respecting the stand-up game here. Stylistically, this could be a very difficult fight for Claudio Silva. He's a ground guy. He needs to get this fight to the floor. Very effective. Just a master on the ground with his submission ability, with his grinding style. I mean, if you get on the ground with this guy, you're probably not going to survive. McGee, on the other hand, does have pretty good submission defense, obviously. Um, he's a very keen and savvy grappler, good wrestling, good takedown defense, like historically. So he's a very capable opponent for kind of following the James Krause blueprint. And even though that wasn't an easy fight for Krause to win there, I mean, he proved that it can be done. And I think McGee kind of has that path to victory as well. But he is getting older. 
Um, I mean, obviously he's not in his prime anymore. I think Claudio Silva will be able to probably get this fight to the ground. And if he does get this to the ground, it could be a wrap very easily. So um, if not, I think Claudio Silva can get enough takedowns along the way to kind of make this an ugly, grueling fight and, and just steal a decision on the scorecards as well. McGee's going to need to keep this fight upright, sprawl, brawl, and just kind of piece Silva up on the feet. Maybe it happens. That's why the line is so close. I mean, realistically, I think it is a competitive fight, uh, potentially. And, uh, and this is a tricky one at the betting window as well. So not a confident pick for me at this point, but I do think Claudio Silva is probably the right side here because I think he is going to be more effective still. And I think he's kind of MMA years. I mean, he's no young buck himself, of course, but in MMA years, he is the fresher fighter of the two. And with that kind of dominant, dominant grappling game, I mean, sometimes you don't even need to take down to get the fight done. So I will side with Claudio Silva. Um, and all those, all of you guys that bet Court McGee, I understand it. I, I mean, stylistically, maybe he, he gets it done here. Um, if he has enough left in the tank, I'm just not confident that he does. So I will pick Claudio Silva to get the W. Yeah. I mean, this just boils down to, do you think, uh, Claudio Silva can get Court McGee on his back? I mean, at one point McGee was a pretty decent welterweight. I mean, he had a nice little stretch there where he was consistently winning fights um, I don't know if he was ever in the title mix, but, uh, he was, you know, an above average UFC welterweight. I mean, he even beat Robert Whitaker in welterweight back in the day on the feet. Uh, but those days are long gone. I mean, since then he's been knocked out by Ponzinibbio and now he's lost five of his last six fights, including three in a row. Now they have been against pretty decent fighters, you know, Sean Strickland, Sean Brady, Diego Lima, Carlos Condit, you know, not the worst fighters in the world to be losing to, but for somebody that's been around as long as Court McGee, um, you know, you, you think that you'd have to think that he is nearing the end in terms of his UFC run. Now, Claudio Silva, on the other hand, he's been, he was on a tear. I mean, absolutely destroying people and, uh, winning big fights in, uh, the UFC welterweight division. I mean, he, he beat Leon Edwards by split decision back in the day. Uh, but in his last fight, while he did put James Krause in a few uh, scary positions, he did finally have his undefeated UFC run ended. Uh, but before that, you know, he beat Danny Roberts. He beat Nordin Taleb. He beat Cole Williams. Uh, you know, the guy just, when he gets people on the ground, he is the superior grappler. And he can finish you by submission or, you know, control you. Um, the main issues with Silva is isn't a very good striker and he doesn't have the best conditioning. So if for some reason court McGee can keep this fight standing, he can, he can definitely win a stand-up fight. It's just, can he do it? Can he, uh, hold Claudio Silva at bay and outpoint him over the course of three rounds and wear him down. And I just don't think that he is in a position to be able to do that at this point in his career. Um, and Claudio Silva, he's still dangerous. I mean, even in that loss to, to James Krause, he threatened in that fight and had Krause in some pretty bad, uh, precarious positions. So I'm going to go Claudio Silva. I think this is going to be pretty one-sided. I think he does get him down. And I think uh, worst case scenario, he holds Court McGee down because Court does have pretty good ground game. Uh, and Silva at least wins a decision with top position. But there's a realistic chance that he finishes him as well. So I'm going to go with Claudio Silva, but uh, I'll be a little nervous in case uh, he cannot, for some reason, drag McGee to the canvas. 
Now, moving all the way up to the heavyweight division, we have Ben Rothwell, who is 38 and 13, taking on Chris Barnett, who is 21 and 6. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Rothwell, minus 245, Barnett, plus 185. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we are currently seeing Rothwell, minus 350, the comeback on Barnett at plus 290. So, line got bet up. I mean, just the size factor, the experience factor with Rothwell in the UFC. I mean, heavyweight division, he's fought the who's who pretty much, I mean, historically throughout his career. It's amazing to see him still competing at the high level. I mean, he's been around for such a long time. And again, success in the UFC. Never got to wear that strap, um, unfortunately for him. And I don't think we'll ever obviously see Rothwell accomplish that. But, I mean, he still has had a great career. And I'm glad to see at the other side of it, Barnett finally getting his opportunity to fight in the UFC because he's been one another one of these guys that's been around for a long time, fighting outside of the UFC and some of the smaller promotions and having success. So for kind of a journeyman fighter, a journeyman heavyweight to come in and finally get his shot and, and make a short notice debut against a guy like Rothwell – Awesome. I mean, I love seeing that for sure. And and Barnett is definitely a dangerous opponent. I mean, he's explosive. He's got some unorthodox spinning crazy techniques. He's, he throws kicks in there. I mean, you just wouldn't expect this guy to strike like he does at times, right? So he's going to be very difficult at times, I think, for Rothwell. I mean, especially with his movement, his speed, and his explosiveness. But, I mean, Barnett will slow down a little bit as the fight progresses. Rothwell is one of those savvy vets. He's going to be much longer. He's going to be able to bully Barnett around the cage. Uh, pin him up against the cage as well. And he's a very intelligent fighter, Rothwell, is in most cases. So, I mean, it's hard not to side with him here. I mean, he's got knockout ability, obviously, underrated hands. Uh, I mean, the size, the skill, the experience should all trump Barnett here in his UFC debut, unfortunately. So I am going to lean with Rothwell. Uh, but, again, I mean, at the betting window, minus 245, I get it. I think that was a great price. But at minus 350, yeah, I don't like it as much. I mean, I think you guys, if you miss the boat at minus 245, under minus 300, then you got to probably stay away from it at this point. But I do like Rothwell to win. Yeah, this is this is a weird one. I mean, Barnett's a guy that, as Nick said, is tiny for the heavyweight division. I mean, physically, he's not tiny. Height-wise, he is. Uh, I mean, five foot nine. Um, get, getting in there against big Ben Rothwell, who's going to be towering over him at six foot four. Uh, Rothwell has an 80 inch reach. Um, so I just think it's going to be difficult for Barnett to get inside and land against Rothwell. Um, and, you know, even though Barnett is making his UFC debut, I mean, he's still, you know, 34 years old. So he's no spring chicken. Um, now Barnett is on a nice little winning streak in terms of his MMA career. Uh, but uh, during this same stretch, he also has racked up some losses uh, in a kickboxing bout. He got knocked out back in uh, 2019. Um, and he's not that far removed from a stretch where he went, you know, lost three in a row in MMA and all three were by knockout. So, uh, against somebody that's as powerful and dangerous as Ben Rothwell. Um, I'm going to be nervous for uh, Barnett here. I think uh, he's just not quite UFC caliber. And uh, while he is big and strong, um, I think it's going to be, uh, he's going to have his hands full. I mean, this is probably one of the best people, fighters he's faced his entire career. Um, Rothwell, while 
this return to the UFC, this most recent run has not been particularly great with uh, going two and three. Um, he's at least been competitive in fights. And uh, I think uh, he does connect on Barnett's chin and at some point uh, knocks him out. But even if he doesn't finish Barnett, which I do think ha- is a very realistic possibility because, uh, you know, Barnett has been knocked out a few times. Um, even if he does not finish Barnett, I think he at least wins a decision. Just uses that size and bullies Barnett a little bit. So uh, my pick is going to be Ben Rothwell. Now, moving on to the preliminary card headliner in the featherweight division. We have Bill Algio, who is 14 and 5, taking on Ricardo Ramos, who is 14 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Algio minus 120, Ramos at even money. And right now, Circus Sports, Algio minus 125, Ramos at plus 105. Competitive fight. I mean, two-way action coming in, a lot of split opinions on this fight. I understand it's a very difficult fight to pick as well. I mean, the line indicates that. Both these guys are well-rounded. Both of these guys like to stand and bang and are capable of doing some damage on the feet for sure. Um, I think Algio is the better or more active, I should say. Maybe not the better because I think Ramos is actually the more technical and better striker on the feet. But Algio pushes a higher pace. Um, I think he's more of the brawler, more of the heavy hitter kind of spot in this situation, in this fight exactly, the way they stylistically match up. I think it plays out pretty interesting on the feet because I think this could be a firefight. And if that's the case, I trust Algio as far as durability goes as well. I think he is a little bit more durable, and I think he's got a little bit more punching power. But, again, Ramos is a sniper. I mean, he's going to be effective on the feet, so Algio has to defend and has to respect Ramos. But on the ground, it's going to be really interesting because both these guys like to take the fight to the floor and have the ability to finish fights on the ground. The scrambling is going to be really fun to watch back and forth. Um, I think Algio probably maintains or gets top position a little bit more, but I think they, they will both have their moments for sure. And defensively, I would think that, I mean, Algio has to be careful not let Ramos get on his back because that's not a good spot. I mean, if a guy like Ramos hops on your back, he's more than capable of getting the submission and finishing the fight. So he's got to be careful in that regard, but I think Algio can handle himself on the ground against Ramos, and I think he pushes a high enough pace that he steals a 29-28 type of competitive decision win. So my pick is Algio, and it should be a pretty exciting fight. Algio is a talented fighter, and he's been in there against some tough guys, earning fight of the night against Ricardo Lamas. Um, and in his most recent fight, he did pick up that upset uh, decision against Spike Carlisle. So he is on at least a little bit of momentum, if you want to say. But I would say, you know, that win over Carlisle isn't the most impressive. Uh, Carlisle was pretty limited. Uh, Ramos, on the other hand, you know, he has done pretty well in the UFC. He had more success, more success in the Bantamweight division than he's had at featherweight so far. Um, although he did uh, get a nice uh, finish against uh, Garagori, uh, but his last time out, you know, Lerone Murphy was able to uh, take him out. So that makes me a little nervous because... Uh, you know, Murphy is pretty powerful and so is Algio. So if they connect with something nasty against Ramos, then they absolutely, uh, then Ramos absolutely could get finished. But, uh, I do think that Ramos is much more well-rounded than Algio. Uh, Algio is a pretty good scrambler, as Nick said, but his ground game is not a huge strength other than his ability to, you know, kind of fight out of bad positions. 
Um, and he allows his opponents to uh, get close enough to put him in those initial positions in the first place, which I think makes me nervous. So I think Ramos is going to be able to close that distance and drag him to the floor, uh, maybe take his back. And on the feet, uh, Ramos is not a fish out of the water there either. I think this will be relatively competitive on the feet. Um, Algeo probably has the edge there, so uh, but I don't think it's uh, a, a huge edge. So I think it'll be competitive in the stand-up, and Ramos is going to be the one that is looking to take this to the floor. And I think that he can control the ground enough to win a decision, if not get a submission along the way. So uh, my pick is going to be Ramos, who I just think is the the more well-rounded fighter. Now, moving on to the main card in the middleweight division, we have Jack Hermanson, who is 21 and 6, taking on Edmund Shabazian, who is 11 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Hermanson opened minus 115, Shabazian minus 05. Hermanson immediately bet up. Right now at Circus Sports, he's minus 147. The comeback on Shabazian at plus 127. Line got up even higher. Now it's starting to come back down. Now we're starting to see his climb back up again. So it's back and forth we go. Hermanson seems to be the right side in most people's minds. Hard to argue that, man. I mean, based on what we saw last time from Shabazian, what a disappointment. I mean, the ground game, the gas tank just let him down. I mean... The guy is definitely a talented fighter. He's very young, still has a high ceiling for sure. I'm looking forward to seeing his growth and his ability to kind of bounce back from that devastating loss. And I think he probably will, and this is a very good spot for him to do so. He just has to fight smart. His conditioning has to be better. And if he does so, I think he could do some damage on the feet. Hermanson in the past has had some problems with powerful strikers. We've seen it time and time again. But, I mean, based on his last performance against Vittori, that was a very solid effort coming off a win over Gaslam before that, too. So this guy is definitely a very capable middleweight. I mean, he's in the upper echelon for sure. And on the ground, there's not too many that could deal with him, man. I mean, he gets his fight to the floor. It's not only his submission ability. It's his ground pound. It's his positioning. It's the way he goes about finishing fights. He gets you on the ground, you're in some serious, serious trouble. So Shabazian has to avoid the ground. Again, as I said at the beginning, his cardio has to be on par here. If he wants to kind of grind out, if he can't finish Hermanson, he's going to have to survive and win two out of three rounds and hit the scorecards and win a decision here, which is going to be kind of difficult based on what we've seen from him conditioning-wise. But three-round fight, he has been drilling his conditioning. I mean, at least – you know, I was told he's definitely taking that a lot more serious, and he knows that that's something that he needs to improve on. I believe it. Um, just hopefully it is to the point where he can go a little bit stronger in this fight if he has to go into deep waters here. Um, it's going to be a difficult one. But I think he can bounce back, and I think it's kind of a situation where if you're getting plus money, it's a dog or pass situation. I think his stock is kind of at an all-time low here because of the Brunson fight, and I think he's better than most people are kind of thinking he is right now. And again, stylistically, this could be a very good matchup for him if he can avoid the ground. So I'm going to pick him to win. I'm going to pick him to pull off the upset. And I think he's got the knockout power and the finishing ability and the takedown defense, at least early on, to make this his type of fight. So I'll have faith. And again, it's all about betting odds. And I'll pick and think there's some value. It's a dog or pass situation. So for me, it's clear that it's Shabazzian or pass. And I understand uh, thinking that Shabazian could have a good bounce back fight, but this is a tough guy to get a bounce back fight for. You would think that they would want to match Shabazian up with somebody a little bit further down the totem pole, but you know, I think honestly, Hermanson might be a 
a better fighter than the guy that just beat Shabazian. Um, you know, Hermanson was closer to a title contention than than Brunson was when uh, these guys fought, and uh, when Brunson headlined against Shabazian. So, yeah, I'm just I'm not quite sure. Uh, now, clearly, there's a path to victory here for Shabazian. Keep the fight upright, land some crazy kicks or punches in combination, and take Hermanson out. You know, he is vulnerable against good strikers. We've seen it. Uh, Vittori outstruck him. We saw uh, Cannoneer land that uppercut and knock him out. Uh, Tiago Santos finished him back in the day. So Hermanson absolutely can get put in bad spots on the feet. Um, but if he gets you down, you are in a world of hurt. I mean, we saw him get that finish against Gastelum uh, with uh, just beautiful heel hook. Uh, and then before that, finishes uh, submissions against Branch and Mearshart, and then TKO after TKO from ground and pound against the likes of Nicholson, Brad Scott, Talis Letus. Uh, I mean, the guy just gets you, he takes you out when he gets you to the canvas. And I'm just not convinced that Shabazian has been, had enough time to shore up that part of his game. Um, also, Shabazian's gas tank was a huge question mark now uh, after how much he slowed down following the first round against Brunson. Um, so basically for me, Shabazian has one round to, to win this fight. And if he doesn't finish Hermanson in the first round, even if he wins the first round, I think it's only a matter of time until Hermanson finishes him after that. So uh, I have to go Hermanson here. I mean, he can just follow that same blueprint that just worked for Brunson. But, you know, as Nick said, stranger things can happen. And if Shabazian is able to, to get things going on the feet and bounce back, then, you know, maybe he gets himself right back in the mix. But I just think this is a nightmare matchup for him. So I have to go Hermanson. Now, dropping down to the flyweight division, we have David Dvorak, who is 19 and 3, taking on Rulin Paiva, who is 20 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Dvorak minus 150, Paiva plus 130. That was the opening market price. And right now, over at Circus Sports, we are seeing the line currently as Dvorak minus 130. The comeback on Paiva plus 110. So a little bit more action coming in Paiva's way. Uh, this fight is awesome, man. I mean, this is a flyweight fight that I'm really looking forward to. Both these guys have a bright future. Again, well-rounded fighters. They like to stand and bang. They're capable of taking the fight to the floor. Um, I think Dvorak is going to probably look to take this fight to the floor and utilize his wrestling a little bit more than Paiva in this situation. I think Paiva is a little bit more technically sound. He's a little bit more durable on the feet. I think he is the, more of a sniper and, and more of an effective type of striker. But Dvorak does have some power, and he pushes a pretty high pace. He's not afraid to get in there and throw some bombs either. So this is, like I said, just going to be such a great fight. I think Paiva's takedown defense is going to be good enough to keep this fight upright, and he's going to end up landing the heavier shots, landing the more efficient and the more effective techniques along the way. And I think he's probably going to either obviously win a, a not, I don't want to say decisive decision because I expect this. If it's a scorecard, it's going to be relatively close for sure. But I think he can win on the scorecards, and I think he does have the potential to knock 
Dvorak out because I, what I've seen from Dvorak, I mean, he's tough and he's, his ability to recover is pretty impressive. But with a guy like Paiva, I don't think he's going to get off the hook here. And if he gets hurt, he's going to get finished. So my pick is Paiva. I think he gets it done, likely inside the distance. Um, if not, I think he wins on the scorecards as well. So it's another dog or pass situation. I understand the early money coming in Paiva's way, and I still make a case for him being actually a slight favorite or pick him fight at worst. So it's dog or pass, and I'm going to pick Paiva to win. Yeah, Dvorak enters this fight on a 15-fight win streak. I mean, the guy is clearly talented, um, and he just seems to be getting better and better. Now, that being said, you look at who he's faced so far, um, and this is going to be a big, big step up. Um, you know, coming off of a unanimous decision win over Jordan Espinoza, a pretty low tier UFC um, flyweight. I think uh, he's going to have his hands full here with uh, Paiva. Um, Paiva is a an exceptional striker. I think that he has all the tools to, to be a guy that is going to be a handful for anybody on the feet in the flyweight division. Um the one thing that I'm a little bit nervous about with Paiva is he does get hit. Like the defense, defensively, that might be the one major edge that Dvorak has. Because um, Paiva, I think, pushes a slightly higher tempo. He's got uh, quality uh, physical uh, statistics as well in terms of height and reach. I think uh, Paiva could make life uh, miserable for Dvorak on the feet with, uh, you know, a good jab and just mixing it up. But Paiva does get hit. So if uh, Dvorak is able to land and avoid shots while these guys are trading back and forth, that absolutely could uh, give Dvorak the edge. Uh, I think these guys are both going to be standing and trading. Um, The other thing, though, is Paiva... You know, he's got a little bit more UFC experience, but uh, he's been a little bit unlucky so far. You know, he had that split decision loss to to Takara France that honestly could have gone his way. And he was looking pretty good against Bontorin before he got a cut and uh, a TKO doctor stoppage. So those two UFC losses, they could have gone his way. They honestly could have. Um, But he is coming off the best performance of his career so far. Uh, that, that win against Zuma Gulov, where he just looked dominant. And I think that he is more than capable of growing. Uh, I mean, he's still just 25 years old, and this is already his fifth UFC fight. Um, while, you know, Dvorak isn't, uh, you know, an old-timer either or anything. But I just think that there's a little bit more room for growth here from Paeva. And as long as he has made some strides in his striking defense... I think there's a realistic chance that he outpoints Dvorak over the course of three rounds and lands the the better, heavier shots. Uh, the only thing I'm nervous about is that he eats too many while dishing them out. So Paeva's my pick, but just be careful with this one. Now, moving up to the women's featherweight division, we have Felicia Spencer, who is 8-2, taking on Norma Dumont, who is 5-1. Now, Nick... What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Spencer minus 350, Dumont plus 285. And right now looking over at Circus Sports, we are currently seeing Spencer minus 180, the comeback on Dumont at plus 155. This was a wild one. I mean, Spencer opening minus 350 got immediately shot down. I mean, as low as like 140, 150 in some places. So 
a lot of action coming in Dumont. Now the price is rising a little bit more towards, I think, where it should be, even maybe a little bit higher. So it's, I think, a crazy situation because Spencer is definitely the more battle-tested, the better, I think, UFC fighter at this point. Dumont showed some really – some outstanding striking. It's a powerful, powerful um, – you know, ability on the feet for sure. Her last time out against Evan Smith, I mean, was able to kind of manhandle her. So, I mean, the power is definitely there. And I think she looks really good at 145 pounds. But with that being said, I mean, I think Spencer been in there with Nunes, obviously, and with Cyborg and handling the punishment from those ladies. I mean, she's capable of obviously weathering that storm. She's got the better ground game here. She's got the better conditioning here. She's got the better fight IQ here as well. She does have some decent striking on the feet. Um, she's got the Taekwondo background, of course, and, uh, you know, she's got the ability to land some punishment as well. So I think even on the feet, she's going to be effective enough, but she wants to get this fight to the floor. It's going to be interesting to see if she could utilize that grappling or that ground game and the submission ability that she does have. Dumont's pretty well-rounded. She hasn't showed us a lot of her ground game yet, but I think that She's going to probably open up some eyes along the way. I just don't think that this is a, the right matchup for her, though. So maybe she impresses. Maybe we're all underestimating her, and this is a really good spot to find out because if she can get the W over Felicia Spencer, then, man, she's definitely on track to do some really good things in the UFC. But that being said, I don't think she gets it done here. I got to lean with Spencer, but as the line closes closer to minus 200 or over, I think you got to respect Dumont's a little bit, her ability at least to – Lance of powerful strikes to possibly keep this fight upright. Because if she does, I think she can be the more effective striker. But again, can she keep it up and push that pace for three straight rounds? I'm not so sure. I know we've seen it from Spencer. She could obviously go three strong and has the ability to take it and just keep on going. So you got to side with Spencer. I think she's just too much for Dumont at this stage. So my pick is Spencer. And I agree. Uh, I think this one should be pretty straightforward. I mean, Spencer is a very good fighter. The only problem for her is she's just not quite as good as the other two top featherweights in the world, Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. Um, that being said, even though she lost to those two fighters, the fact that she actually went the distance with both of them speaks volumes to me. Um, you know, she is a, a capable striker. She can take a shot and she has an incredible ground game. So, I just don't think that Dumont is going to be able to, uh, you know, even though she is taking this on short notice, um, you know, I just don't really see how Dumont matches up that well with her. Um, Dumont is typically a bantamweight and she's moving up uh, because uh, Spencer's original opponent dropped out. Um, but when Dumont last fought at featherweight against Megan Anderson, she got knocked out. So, uh, I'm not saying that she'll get knocked out here because Spencer isn't exactly a, a heavy hitter, but Spencer's ground game is extremely legitimate. And I just don't see Dumont holding her own with a bigger, stronger girl like uh, Spencer, who I think can just manhandle her on the canvas. So uh, I think Spencer holds her own on the feet, if not wins that portion of the fight. And Spencer can finish it if it goes to the canvas. So Spencer is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Justin Taffa, who is 4-2, taking on Jared Vandera, who is 11-5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? 
Top open minus 205, Mandra plus 175. And right now looking over at Circus Sports, top of minus 185, Mandra plus 160. Crazy heavyweight fight. Man, I mean, to be honest with you, I think Tafa is probably a little bit underrated in this spot. I think the odds should be a little bit higher. If he doesn't get taken down and finished on the ground, I think he has the ability to outstrike and probably destroy Vander on the feet. He's just a better, you know, overall striker here. He's more effective. He's got the kickboxing background. I think his stock dropped significantly when he came into his UFC debut and got destroyed by DeCastro early on. But to me, it kind of rebounded a little bit with his victory over Juan Adams. I know Juan Adams isn't really held in high regards, but make no mistake. I mean, the guy is capable of getting the fight to the floor and doing some good things on the ground. But Juan Adams wasn't able to do that against Tafa. So that was kind of impressive. And it took it taking a right step forward for me um, in Tafa's UFC career. Then following that up with a kind of a, a difficult and unfortunate defeat because I think he was very game in that Philippe fight and it could have definitely went his way. A lot of people believe he did win that fight, but a close fight against a very solid heavyweight, I think underrated heavyweight in Philippe. But that being said, Tafa here is kind of getting a step down in competition, I think. So this is a good spot for him to come in here, get a highlight reel type of finish. Vandra has the ability, has some experience even before he came into the UFC, of course. So he's no slouch, but at the same time, I don't know. I think he's not kind of ready for the upper tier heavyweights here. Um, I know he had a pretty impressive win on the contender series that got him into the fight with Spivak, but I mean, the Spivak fight was not surprising. We all picked him. We knew Spivak was going to probably do that for him to him. So I think Tafa's probably going to do something similar. I mean, Tafa, I think probably gets up, gets him out of there in the first round with his strike. So I like Tafa here. I think it's probably a favorite or pass situation. I just don't have a lot of respect in Vandera's ability to get this fight to the ground and just kind of utilize the ground to pound and, and kind of beat Tafa where he needs to do so. And I don't think he gets it done here. So my pick is Tafa. I think he gets a highlight reel type of finish along the way. And he starts to kind of climb back up the ladder, which he desperately needs at this point. Yeah. Uh, Vandera is uh, powerful. And if he can drag Tafa to the floor, then he definitely can win by ground and pound. But uh, Tafa is a pretty talented striker. I think he's underrated and people uh, don't give him as much credit for his uh, stand-up because he got knocked out in that UFC debut against uh, DeCastro. But, uh, you know, this guy is a pretty legitimate striker. You saw that in the Adams fight and he held his own on the feet against a much bigger, longer Carlos Felipe. I mean, that ended up being a split decision. Uh, loss on his record. So even though he is one and two in the UFC and he's not exactly, you know, the biggest heavyweight, uh, I mean, he's only six foot compared to six, four here for Vandera. Um, I just expect Tafa to get the better of Vandera in the, in the standup. And as long as Tafa is able to keep this in the standup, he should be able to win. I mean, he, he should be piecing up Vandera. He's, he's a much better technically sound striker. Um, Vandera does have some power. So, Tafa has to be careful. He can't just be winging punches without thinking about his defense uh, because Vandera could knock him out at any moment. We've seen, you know, fighters that aren't as good technically get uh, knockout wins all the time, especially in the heavyweight division. But uh, I think most likely what happens here is Tafa keeps his distance, outpoints Vandera, and possibly gets a finish along the way. So my pick is going to be Tafa. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening, we have Xiaonin Yan uh, in the strawweight division 
We have Zhao Ninyan, who is 13-1, taking on Carla Esparza, who is 17-6. Now, Nick, what's the MMA Oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Yan opened minus 180 to come back under Esparza, plus 155. Right now, what we're seeing at Circus Sports is Yan down to minus 120 to come back under Esparza at even money. Craziness, right? I mean, Esparza getting the love as an underdog, not really that much of a surprise. I mean, she's a very game and capable fighter. It's a wrestling that everybody's kind of banking on in this spot against Jan. Jan hasn't really been tested all that much or as, like, as much as we'd like to see in that aspect of things. But don't make no mistake. I mean, the test is finally here. She's going to be a little bit longer. I mean, she's got a little bit more. The reach seems to be about the same, but she's got a little bit more height. Over Esparza, she's got the better striking Jan does. And I mean, if you look at her resume, it's impressive, man. I mean... She's come a long way, and I think she continues to improve fight by fight. So I think she's ready for this spot, and she deserves to be in the conversation as a slight favorite in this spot as well. But I think, again, a lot of the value was kind of already sucked out of this because plus money on Esparza being capable to get the fight to the floor, kind of grinding out a decision. And again, she's fought the who's who throughout her career as well. Let's not forget, I mean, she was a former champ. And I think, you know, obviously a lot of people kind of wrote her off after that loss to JJ, but she's rebounded nicely and she's kind of saved her career. And again, has gotten some really solid wins along the way coming off of a four fight win streak. And her biggest win as of late was against uh, Marina Rodriguez. Of course, we saw what Rodriguez just did to Watterson. Uh, so that was not an easy type of W to get. So I think Esparza's right there in the mix of a lot of the greats and she's capable of getting this fight to the floor and grinding out Jan. So I'm going to slightly lean her way as well. I think the plus money was the value side for sure. Everybody kind of hopping in and, and grabbing that plus money. But where it's at now, it's another one of those spots where I think you have to kind of almost stay away from because I think the value has been sucked out. So if you miss the boat at plus 155, plus 135, plus 125, plus 115, now it's even money. Now you're having to lay some juice in some areas. I think you got to stay away from it and just kind of suck it up. Um, I'm going to lean Esparza, but again, if Jan is capable of keeping this fight upright, she is a better striker. Even though Esparza's striking has improved, I think Jan will piece Esparza up on the feet, and I think she will make herself a true legit contender if she can get the W here. So it wouldn't shock me if she does, though. We'll see. This is, again, going to be one of the hardest fights and the the best, I think, spots to prove her worth at this point of her career. I think getting the W over a very game and, you know, like momentum-wise, hot fighter right now in Esparza. Both these ladies are on a roll, and if, if Jan can come in here and get a solid win over Esparza, she's definitely, like I said, in the mix if she's able to stuff the takedowns and outstrike Esparza to a win. So, awesome fight. Looking forward to the way this plays out. Those of you guys that got on the plus money early with Esparza, I think that was probably the right way to bet this. Let's see how it plays out. My pick will be Esparza to get the W. And I'm going to go with Esparza as well. Now, as Nick said, if Jan is able to keep this upright, she's the better striker. I mean, Esparza has improved her stand-up in her time in the UFC, but she is still not even close to the striker that Jan is. Xiaon uh, and Jan has been in there against some pretty good strikers, and she has come out the other side. I mean, she has uh, wins on the feet against Angela Hill, um, and then more recently, uh, the quality win over Claudia Gadelia to, to kind of put herself right into that mix. Um, Esparza, on the other hand, I, I think that while her wins have been very close, uh, you know, majority win over Alexa Grasso, split decision over Michelle Waterson, split decision over Marina Rodriguez, those are all 
really, really talented uh, women strawweights. And she was able to get those wins, even if they were close. Uh, the fact that she was able to get takedowns, get top position, and ride that those fights out and win decisions against such talented fighters uh, speaks volumes. And as Nick said, Jan really hasn't been tested with her ground game. Um, I know she got the win over Gedelia, but at that point in Gedelia's career, she's more been looking to improve her stand-up, uh, feeling like that's a part of her game that would round her out instead of focusing on her elite uh, ability to, to control on the ground. So I think Esparza is the true test. If if she can get past Esparza, then Jan is legitimate title threat. Absolutely. But I just don't think she's going to. I think um, Esparza is going to close that distance, get her down, and keep her down. Uh, now, if Jan is able to keep this upright, yeah, she absolutely can win this fight. She could even finish this fight. But uh, I think the most likely outcome here is Esparza grinds this out, closes the distance, gets repeated takedowns, and just flusters Jan, possibly even just exposes her uh, for not having really faced somebody that's trying to take you down the whole time. So... Uh, and I do think that Esparza, at least the, the strides that she has made on the stand-up, will allow her to uh, maybe force Jan to uh, you know drop her guard a little bit uh, and have to respect a little bit of the striking to set up a takedown. So uh, my pick is going to be Esparza. I think she wins by decision, but there's a chance that she gets a finish if uh, her ground game is you know that much better than Jan's. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening in the Bantamweight division. We have Rob Font, who is 18-4, taking on Cody Garbrandt, who is 12-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Font opened minus 125, the comeback on Garbrandt at plus 105. Right now, looking at Circus Sports, Font is at minus 120, the comeback on Garbrandt, even money. Man, what a fight. I love this matchup because, I mean, it just gets these guys with a W here right back in the title mix again. Font getting the opportunity to get himself in line for a title. Obviously, Garbrandt, former champion, trying to prove after that tremendous bounce-back career win. Highlight reel. I mean, one of the best knock knockouts we've ever seen in the sports history, of course, um, with his win over Rafael Asansao in his last fight. Garbrandt's just phenomenal, man. I love watching this guy fight. Obviously, I'm a big fan. I have a ton of respect for him. I mean, his I still think one of the best fights and performances I've ever seen in a title fight was his win getting the strap from Dominic Cruz. That was just such a masterclass performance. So love me some Garbrandt. Every time he fights, it's an exciting fight, and I'm on board for sure. That said, Font is a very difficult opponent. I like what I've seen from Font as of late. He's finally hitting his stride, getting a huge win over Morais in his last fight by knockout. I mean, Marais, one of the best strikers, obviously, in this weight class as well. Um, his win over Simone was just fantastic. I mean, how many people go out there and are able to stuff the take takedowns and just kind of stifle Simone's offense? I mean, it, it was very good to see. So Font's right there, man. Um, he's in the mix. He's getting himself where he needs to be to get a shot at that title and to have a shot to win it. Um, I know that's, again, crazy to say, but I think he's got the knockout power. He's got the technical striking ability. He's got the takedown defense or the ability to get back up to his feet. I mean, he's a very difficult out for most people. His durability's there. His conditioning's on point. 
So I like this matchup a lot. I think it's going to be, again, another spot where we see a lot of fireworks back and forth type of fight. Both these guys are more than capable of finishing each other because of how accurate and how powerful they are. Obviously, I think Garbrandt's the more powerful one-punch knockout artist. I think Fonda is a little bit more technically sound, and he's got the capabilities of obviously finishing the fight as well. I think Fonda is a little bit more durable. And at the betting perspective, at the betting window, I think with the fight being around minus 120 or a pick type of bout, I think you have to kind of side with Font as what we've seen from him as of late has been a little bit more impressive, especially on the durability end. So I'm going to have to lean that way. I think it's kind of at a pick type of price. You have to lean Font or you have to kind of stay away from it. So I'm going to side with Font. I understand, again, what Garbrandt brings on the other side of this. Is, I mean, just phenomenal power and ability to finish fights. But I still think the durability and the precise striking of Font is going to pay dividends here. And I think he does get the W here. So my pick is Font, and I think it's a favorite or pass situation. And I'm going to go with Font as well. I mean, Cody Garbrandt, when he's on, he can be absolutely devastating because he has elite knockout power some good striking technique, um, and uh, he mixes it up well. I mean, that boxing is great. I think, honestly, in terms of skill for skill, Garbrandt is probably the slightly better striker than Rob Font. Absolutely. Um, The problem is, in terms of durability, I mean, it's not even close. I mean, Garbrandt's been knocked out three times and badly. Uh, Granted, against really good fighters, but still... uh, I mean, they were, you know, not even brutal knockouts. So, uh, and the fact that Rob Font has this crazy power that if he just connects that one time, uh, I think Garbrandt just is not going to be able to take it. Um, You also factor in that Garbrandt had a really bad reaction when he got sick with COVID uh, since his last fight, uh, basically forced him to, to cancel his fight against Davis and Figueredo, like it would have been a title fight. I just think uh, that he's not in a position here to fight to the best of his ability. Um, If these guys are trading blow for blow, I think it's going to be Font that stays standing if they both land that big shot. So uh, with the durability issues for Garbrandt and the fact that Rob Font is fighting the best he's ever fought in his entire career. Uh, I have to side with Rob Fontier. I just think, uh, you know, he's on this three fight win streak with quality wins over Sergio Pettis, Ricky Simone and Marlon Moraes. And I think that he gets the job done here against Garbrandt connects at some point with something nasty and knocks him out. So my pick is going to be Rob Font. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 27. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. Uh, you can also check out the free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.